epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. And welcome, everyone, to a national semifinal podcast here on March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. It is late Saturday night into Sunday morning. I just got back from Lucas Oil Stadium. An unbelievable evening that in an unprecedented year, I can't even believe what I saw. And it's just remarkable. I want to break this down. My good friend from Turner Sports, Chad Acock, and then Chad's going to come back later in the podcast. We'll go through some picks on the championship game Monday night. In between, I'll be joined by Jalen Suggs. Had a chance one-on-one to deal with him very quickly right before he left the arena. And then also Matthew Meyer from Baylor, the mullet man. Caught up with him after he had a really good game for the Baylor Bears. We'll do a Cats Ranks about the top 10 national champions from 2000 on. Of course, a lot of debate on that. I'm sure there's going to be a million opinions on it, which is good. We love that. So we'll get to all that. But first, let's deal with the epic national semifinal game. I'm going to bring in Chad here. And Chad, I was in the building. I was up high in the Colts press box. So I didn't get the full effect of being down low, kind of like when I was there for Chris Jenkins in 2016. But it still was mind-boggling to see it from above. The game back and forth. Jalen Suggs with a three-pointer bank shot to win in overtime, 93-90 against UCLA. First, from your vantage point, you know, watching it, what was it like for you? Yeah, Andy, for me, it was just... You know, we've been waiting for a buzzer beater this tournament. It feels like you get one or two every tournament, and we hadn't had one yet. And this was a good opportunity for it, and Jalen Sucks took advantage of it. And, you know, the bank was open for him. Just an absolute, just epic finish, Andy. I mean, it's it's a top five March Madness shot all time, probably for me. Andy, where does it rank for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I have to think that I just had started in my career, so I'm dating myself a little bit with Leitner, but I wasn't there. I was not in Philadelphia. You know, obviously that's got to be in the top three. Yeah, Chris Jenkins probably number one. Yeah, I mean, for me, Jenkins is one because it won a title. Right. And I was there. But see, I would put, if you're going to rank them right now, I mean, I would go Jenkins is one. I might go this one two, NC State three. I know NC State was for a title, but... Lorenzo Charles. That was like, it was a crazy play. You know, Derek Wittenberg threw it up there. Yeah. And Lorenzo Charles grabs it. And as crazy as it was, obviously NC State taken down, five slamma jamma. It's still, I don't know. It just, this, the fact that it was a three-pointer bank shot to win it, this feels like it should be maybe two. That one maybe three, NC State. And then, you know, then you go Leitner four, which was an Elite Eight game to Kentucky. And then maybe Jordan Poole. 
you could go Jordan Poole. Because they were losing. That's one of those games where it's like if you if, if you miss it, you lose. If you make it, you win. Yeah. And then I, you know, I know this sounds weird, but in somewhere in that top 10, a missed shot because in the same building, you know, Gordon Hayward. That's right. It felt like it was almost on that same kind of level. Now that once again, that was for a title. But this has to be in the top three. I just think it has to be. So let's just peel back a little because I first want to say, and I think we have to say this, the run that UCLA had should go down as one of the greatest. I mean, they didn't win, I know, but go from first four to final four and every game they got better and better it just feels like i actually now i'm a believer that they could have beaten baylor you know and we'll see if gonzaga can but they just have something going right now and johnny juzang kentucky transfer he has 29 in this game he has had a march to remember i don't know if you agree with me on this chad like i feel like you could make an argument i mean obviously with the shot going in you can't but uh, you know we'll see what happens monday night but i mean you'd almost say like he's been one of the most valuable players in the entire tournament absolutely i mean he had what i think 137 points this tournament which is second most by a ucla player in a single tournament i think gail goodrich had 140 but yeah i mean he was the star of the night on either side he had 29 in the game i mean suggs Finished it strong, but he only had 16 on the game. Juzang was unreal. I think he went 12 of 18 from the field, just making everything. We saw a video of his brother flying in from Vietnam to surprise him, so that was awesome. Just played motivated all tournament long. How about the fact that he played 45 minutes? Oh, yeah. Never came out of the game. Unreal. You know, and he had had a bum ankle in this tournament. So, you know, and then like the one thing they didn't get in their Elite Eight game was a lot of balance. And yet, Hawkes had 19. Tiger Campbell played great. 17 and 7. You know, he had 17. Yeah. And I would say Cody Riley. I mean, he came to play. He Double-double with five assists. Yeah, and in 42 minutes. And then on the other side, first of all, Corey Kispert had sort of a mortal game for him, but he hit a couple of big shots along the way. Some big threes down the stretch, yeah. Yeah, two of eight, but they were big threes. Joel Ayayi saved the Zags early. Career high. First half, if he doesn't play well, they're down maybe somewhere in the six to eight range, potentially, but he really saved them. Andrew Nemhard had a big time three. That was a gutsy shot. And then Drew Timmy just went to work 25, 11 of 15. And he did so much work with four fouls. Hey, how about that charge at the end too? At the end of regulation? With four fouls. He took that. Right. Gutsy. I mean, just back and forth. And these two teams, and we talked about this earlier. I mean, they played that epic game in 06, Adam Morrison's last game that J.P. Batista gets the ball stolen and UCLA wins in final two seconds. Right. They have played like two epic games in the NCAA tournament. That one in 06 and now this one in 21. I'm just curious your thoughts, Chad, on, on, on a UCLA team that we've talked about before. You know, I don't know if I'd say they're underachieved, but they were inconsistent. They've got, they weren't whole. Chris Smith is out the whole year practically. Just what, what are your thoughts on the run that they had? Yeah, I mean, I think what you said was fair. I mean, they they were in the first four for a reason, but so impressive. I mean, we kind of called it early on, Andy, as a dark horse final four team with all that they had coming back, especially from a young team. They finished so strong last year in the Pac-12, and they came back with the, with the sophomore class that was just loaded, and the talent really exploded. Juzang, Jaime Jaquez, Tiger Campbell, I mean, all these guys just stepped up, and we just saw them grow kind of right before our eyes during this tournament. They got hotter and hotter. And they looked ready for the big stage. It really looked like they were playing with nothing to lose. Felt like the pressure was always on Gonzaga to kind of keep making a play. UCLA kind of as the underdog really had nothing to lose. Hats off to them. I'll be interested to see how many of these guys come back for their junior year 
and what kind of team they could have next year. Yeah, there's no question that it, depending on what comes back, uh, and we'll do our Power 36 next week that I know is going to change a million times because the transfer portal and the draft. I mean, they have to be considered a, a potential title contender if a lot of these guys come back. All right, so take a breath. That was unbelievable. What was overshadowed was... Baylor 2.0. I mean, that Baylor performance was the Baylor we saw pre-COVID pause. 78-59, five scores and double figures. We're going to hear from Matthew Mayer later in the podcast. But Jared Butler was back. He had 17. They had 11 threes. That was a dominating performance. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you saw it in the first half. I mean, it looked like Marcus Sasser was the only one that got off the bus for Houston. He had 17 of their 20 points at halftime. And we kind of saw the writing on the wall almost on social when we put out a graphic that had Kelvin Sampson's record against Baylor, 22-0 and all time. The problem was that was all at Oklahoma, so now he's 0-1 with Houston against Baylor. Um, but yeah, Baylor's guard stepped up. Andy, I want to know what you think about like the leadership of this Baylor team. It kind of felt like Jared Butler in the regular season. That's why he was a first-team All-American. That's why he was Koozie Award finalist. But it feels like like uh, Davion Mitchell has really taken over as the ball handler and the, the playmaker here. Yeah, I mean, he was named the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year on Friday. And, you know, he ends up with... How about the line he had? 12 points, 11 assists, and zero turnovers. That's quite something. You know, he had himself a game. Yes, I think he's really emerged. Even though Jared Butler got a lot of the headlines, I think Davion Mitchell has really become sort of the leader of this group. Well, they just look so relaxed. You know, like they were up so big that, you know, they had a call go against them. You know, they got called for like an offensive foul. And, you know, the official makes a call and they just kind of give them a thumbs up. They're not even mad. They're just so relaxed. And and uh, it just looks so smooth out there for Baylor right now. So we will get to this game Monday night here at the back end of the podcast. But what an evening. You know, I just want to say overall, before we do that, chat, we have been doing this for a year. I mean, a lot longer, but I mean, since last year when we didn't have an NCAA tournament, we we kept going with the pod and keeping everyone interested. I just felt like, we all needed that game. I, I want to say like, on the women's side, you know, their semis were great. And I'm very happy that they had an outstanding national semifinal. And on Sunday night, I hope they get a good one with Arizona Stanford. But on the men's side, I feel like we earned that, you know, as fans, as... No, we needed it. As journalists, as people covering the sport. It just was refreshing and welcoming to get that because... This has been such a difficult year, obviously, in, in life, but just in the sport itself. And there were times we didn't know if we'd get to this point. There were so many hiccups in the regular season. You and I have talked so many times. Are we going to get to this point? What's going to be canceled? We got one more day, one more game, and it's the game that we wanted. That's right. You know, at the beginning of the season that we almost got. So we're going to talk about that on the back part of this. And so before we get to that, let's hear my one-on-one interview very quickly with Jalen Suggs before he left Lucas Oil Stadium. Jalen, after the game, Mark Few said he knew the shot was going in as soon as it left your fingertips. What did you think? I don't know where he got that from because I didn't believe it. You know, I just put it up, tried to give it a chance. I mean, that, that's one that you practice in the gym when you're by yourself, just messing around. So, I mean, to turn that to reality uh, is crazy. It's, it's an extremely special moment. Jalen, what's it feel like to now be a part of NCAA tournament lore? Your shot, that game, will go down in history as one of the greatest games and one of the greatest shots. Again, an, an extremely special shot, a moment there at the end. But, you know, everyone else on the court, you know, they, they made that possible. From Andrew's big shot, 
Corey down the stretch, Drew down the stretch, you know, again, overtime. Joel's big first half. You know, AC came in and gave us great energy in the first half as well. That, that was a great team win. One of, one of the greatest sports moments I've ever been a part of in sports games. Man, I'm just blessed. Congratulations. We'll see you Monday night. Thank you. Andy Katz, that guy will rank his wife's dinners. He'll rank anything. All right, so now it's time for Cats Ranks here on this special edition of March Madness 365. I'm going to look at the top 10 national champs since 2000. So many different directions you could go on this list. Let's start with number 10, Kansas in 2008. Mario Chalmers hits the game-tying three-pointer to put the game into overtime. They beat Memphis in overtime. That was the last time that we had four number ones in the final four. At number nine, Love this team. Maryland in 2002, led by Juan Dixon. Gary Williams gets his first national championship. His only one. They really sort of beat down their nemesis, Duke, because they lost the previous year. Great victory for that Terrapins team. Really, really special team. Number eight, Syracuse in 2003. Carmelo's only season with the Orange. What a remarkable run he had as a freshman. Hakeem Warwick was on that team. Jim Beheim gets his national championship. Number seven, Michigan State in 2000. The Flintstones, Mateen Cleaves. Tom Izzo gets his national championship. And by the way, that's the last time the Big Ten has won a national championship. What a great run that was by Michigan State to win that one. At number six, going with North Carolina in 2005. This was the team led by Sean May. Some of these players, if you remember, were recruited by Matt Doherty. Then Roy Williams comes in. A couple years later, they win the national championship over Illinois. That was a really special Carolina team. Number five, Florida of 2007. That was the second Florida National Championship. What made that one special is it was back-to-back. The last time we've had back-to-back, all those players came back. They didn't have to. They called themselves the 04s. That's when they came in, and they won back-to-back national championships. So hard to do. The favorite, and you deliver. At number four, Villanova of 2018. The 2016 team obviously was incredibly thrilling buzzer beater Chris Jenkins 2018 team that team was better led by Dante DiVincenzo who was the MVP of the final four but they just absolutely just their offense was a machine really like that 18 Villanova team at number three Kentucky of 2012 led by Anthony Davis freshman they win the national championship over Kansas a little revenge for Cal because John Calipari was the coach of Memphis when Bill Self won in 08 number two a dominating performance by North Carolina and Tyler Hansborough winning the national championship in Detroit. If you remember, that was a team that took apart Michigan State. Just a dominating performance by the Tar Heels in 09. That team was really something. But at number one, and there's gonna be a lot of controversy where I go here, but the Duke team of 2001, led by Shane Battier. Jay Williams on that team, Carlos Boozer, Mike Dunleavy Jr. What a special group that was. So loaded, knocked off Arizona to win the national championship for the Duke Blue Devils. So, look, I know people could go in a lot of different directions. That's what we do here. We debate it, come up with a nice list, see what you think. My top 10 national champs since 2000. And now joining me here, March Madness, March Madness 365, Matthew Meyer from Baylor after a dominating national semifinal victory over Houston here inside Lucas Oil Stadium. Matthew, I'll tell you, this felt like the Baylor team that we saw pre-pause. I mean, this is as good as you guys have played in a long time. Maybe the best you've played all season. Why do you think that's the case? Uh, I think that's who we are now. I think that COVID pause, uh, we learned a lot from that, especially with that loss to Oklahoma State coming into the tournament. 
I think we grew a lot from that. And, you know, we're some dogs now. We're ready for this national championship. What changed, though, in terms of the last couple of weeks as you guys got in more of a rhythm? I think it's just the coaching staff. Well, you know, making practices really intense. And then also just, like I said, the fact that we lost Oklahoma State, I think that was what pushed us over the edge right there. That got us blocked back in for the tournament. And as soon as that happened, practices were intense. And it was good for us. And, you know, that's why we're here today. How intense? Very intense. I mean, me and Mark Vidal guarding each other every day. So, I mean, it's already intense, but it was it was even worse. So. <laughs> All right. So the way you guys started off, absolutely on fire from the perimeter. Jared got hot earlier. You obviously contributed quite a bit. What did you need to do to take Houston out of their game plan early? We know they like to shoot a lot of threes and they shoot them at a really high percentage. They're also an elite offensive rebounding team. We could see that from all their games in the tournament. So we just had a, we did rebounding drills the whole time. We were just focused on taking away the three. And with those two combined, we had a great first half. Second half, we just made it even, but that was all we needed. And it felt like defensively, Marcus Sasser was the only one that was going to hurt you. You know, if the plan was to take out Grimes and Giroux, you accomplished that. What was the plan? The plan was just to take away threes in general then and then rebound. I mean, the, their big guys are crazy and their guards flying for rebounds too. So just did the game plan and everything worked out. All right, Gonzaga, how does Baylor cut down the nets Monday night? They've got dudes that can score. I mean, coming off the bench, they got plenty of weapons. So it's going to be interesting, but we'll see what the coaches have game plan for us. You were supposed to play them in December. When that game got canceled, how much were you hoping that you would meet them? We were disappointed we didn't get to play them. We were focused on winning a national championship. It wasn't so much about Baylor versus Gonzaga. I mean, I'm excited to play them. They're a super solid team, and it's going to be fun. All right, last thing. You've brought back the mullet. What are the chances you are now a trendsetter? I'd say 100% because (laughs) I get DMs every day of people sending me new mullets being like, I got this because of you, and I'm just like, man. That's love right there. Like, I mean, Jackson's got a TikTok. Y'all should all go follow him on TikTok. I mean, we're starting trends out here, man. It's so fun. Appreciate it. Congratulations. We will see you Monday night. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, Chad, welcome back. It is time for March Chadness. So just barely, I did predict Baylor Gonzaga in our revised predictions to get to this championship game. So let's do this a little bit differently. You're going to pose a couple of matchups at me as we look at the national championship game. That's right, Andy. It's a rematch of the game that was canceled back on December 5th. And believe it or not, that game was actually supposed to be played in Indy, Bankers Life Fieldhouse. So we actually get the matchup, the one we've talked about all year, like you said. Uh, But yeah, Andy, we've got one game to pick. So let's break it down a little bit deeper. So I'm going to run you through some categories and you kind of tell me who you think has the edge and then we'll get your actual game pick at the end. So let's start with the backcourt, Baylor and Gonzaga, some big names on each side. Andy, who do you think has the advantage there? You could go either way. The trio of, and I know Flagler is the fourth, Adam Flagler, but really it's the big three of Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, and Maceo Teague. Now match that three against Jalen Suggs, Joel Ayayi, and Andrew Nemhard. You could go in either direction. I'm going to lean Baylor here slightly because of their overall size, a little bit more experience, their defensive lockdown ability. I mean, Mitchell is the defensive player of the year, but I won't be shocked if the Zag guards outplay them. But in this, I would give the matchup to Baylor. All right. So slight edge to Baylor on, on the guard play. And I mean, they do play four guard lineup the majority of the time. So 
Uh, not a bad pick there. What about the front court there, Andy? It, it <laughs> it's hard to go against Drew Timmy and and uh, you know Corey Kispert just won the Irving Award. Can Zag have the edge here? Yeah, they do. Um, Mark Vitale and Jonathan Chamo Chachua, Everyday John, as Scott Drew calls them, they are good defensively. And Matthew Meyer is sort of that tweener in there. The advantage goes to Drew Timmy and Corey Kispert. They, you know, and Anton Watson, sort of the the enforcer, the bruiser rebounder, commit some fouls. Those two guys can score in a variety of ways. They're big time players. They're all Americans. You know, that's a decided advantage, I think, to Gonzaga. All right. What about the bench? You know, the depth. These two teams kind of have two different philosophies here. But if we get into some foul trouble here, who do you think has the advantage, both, you know, a scoring punch off the bench and just guys that are capable of filling in right away? You know, actually, I hear I would edge Baylor. They can go, you know, a couple deep in the front court and go at least another deep on the perimeter. I know that Aaron Cook had a couple good minutes for the Zags, but I would take Adam Flagler over Aaron Cook in a one-on-one. So I think, once again, the bench has a slight edge to Baylor. Yeah, and you look at these box scores, you know, Gonzaga really only played two guys off the bench, and one of those, Watson, was, you know, a little bit because of Drew Timmy's foul trouble. Drew Timmy was the only one that didn't play 40 minutes out of the starters. Right. You know, it went to overtime, but still. And then Baylor, you know, they had eight guys that played 16 or more minutes. Minutes. So they do go a little bit deeper there. What about the coach? Kind of hard to compare Mark Few, Scott Drew. They've both done you know exceptional jobs. They were the top two seeds in the bracket for a reason. But if you had to give an edge, who would you give it to? I give it to Mark Few. He's been here before now. You didn't always used to say that about Mark Few, but this is his second national championship game. Lost to North Carolina in 2017. They actually had a lead late, controversial out-of-bounds play. You know, they had a chance to win that game. They didn't. And so now, four years later, they're back with a chance to win the national championship. Scott Drew has had a great run. This is his first championship game. We're not going to have 70,000 people in there, but there has to be some natural butterflies that might be circling within Drew's stomach that may not be in Mark's. It's a good point there about the the championship experience. And you can even see it at the end of that game with Gonzaga. The Jalen Suggshot goes in <laughs> and Mark Few just kind of looks at Mick Cronin just kind of shrugs. You know, he doesn't go crazy, almost like the Tom Crean reaction against Kentucky, you know, where they're just kind of take it and roll with it. Few is obviously excited, but he just wasn't overly caught up in the moment. It uh, looks like he's always locked in. So I do I do like that point. Hey, by the way, before we even move ahead, you know, the one play that we didn't discuss at the top of the show, I just have to get your natural reaction. The block by Suggs and then the bounce pass to Timmy. That exchange right there, seeing it live was absolutely phenomenal. What was it like for you to watch it? Man, it's it's just fun watching a freak athlete just use his talents and just show off. I mean, he's, you know, just risking it all with the block, going out of bounds, coming back inbounds collects the rebound and then just fires that one-handed bounce pass on uh, you know on the line just I mean it looks like a quarterback he's a quarterback we always say he's QB1 we like to joke about that but he looks like he's got uh, elite vision for a reason so unreal yeah you know look you you went to Georgia you're an SEC fan this is a young man who had a scholarship to play quarterback at Ohio State as well as his home state Minnesota that's right and I firmly believe that the vision that you have as an elite quarterback and I'm not necessarily a football guy but I still think that vision he has transferred to the basketball court and used it so effectively he's always going forward with a purpose you know the bounce pass is sort of old school, but he has used it so effectively this season. That and combined with his athleticism, obviously he'd be a dual threat quarterback, being able to run and and make plays. So he's he's showing off on both ends there with the arm and the athleticism. So yeah, fun to watch there. But Andy, getting back to your picks here, you've kind of given two advantages to each side. So now give us your winner. Wow. I hope we get what we got Saturday night between Gonzaga and 
UCLA. But I got to stay true to what I had at the beginning of the year. So maybe I'll be right in the end. <laughs> I pick Gonzaga wire to wire, and I'm going to stick with him. I can't go away, especially after what we witnessed Saturday night. It just feels like there's destiny for the Zags to be the first team that wins the national championship undefeated since the Indiana Hoosiers in 76 and they would do it in the state of Indiana. Yeah, Andy, the undefeated uh, count is still something we're going to watch here. They're 31-0. If they get to 32-0, it will be historical. So we'll be watching for that Monday night. All right, everyone. I hope everyone just thoroughly enjoyed this Saturday evening. Love the emergency pod here late uh, into Sunday with you, Chad. So everyone, stay safe as always. We're going to chat after the national championship game between Gonzaga and Baylor Monday night at Lucas Oil Stadium. Stay safe, everyone. Thanks for listening. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.